Thank you, George. I, I want to share a word. I had mentioned um, this Wednesday night. I was able to uh, to go by the day of the funeral and talk to the family for a few moments of Elizabeth Collis. And the family told me that she was really afraid of dying. That was always something she never wanted to talk about. <laughs> and uh, in this sickness, she said, it's okay. She said, I know Jesus is coming for me. And so they asked her, they said, well, who told you? She said, Jesus. He came to me and told me, I'm coming for you. Now, some people say, well, that was a dream. Other people say, well, she imagined that. I don't care. In her heart and her mind, Jesus came to her. So you can rationalize all you want. All I know is that Jesus came. <laughs> and so I just wanted to share that with you because I thought, man, i got to tell everybody about that. We need to hear that, what God's up to. Um, we've been talking about over the past few weeks, meeting God in familiar places. And this morning, I want to talk about God's promise, meeting Him in His promise. And we're actually going to look at an Old Testament and a New Testament passage uh, Isaiah 7, verses 1 through 14. And then I want to look over at Matthew 1, 18 through 23. So I'm asking when you find Isaiah 7 to stand in our God's honor as I read from the text. It says, When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, king Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Sher Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, <laughs> because of the fierce anger of Rezan and Aram and of the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tobil king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place, it will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only risen. Within sixty-five years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you'll not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a son, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now turn me over to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, as we look at verses 18 through 23. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. 
because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's pray. Lord, we need to be reminded of your promise, Lord. There are some promises, well, they don't mean much. Broken promises, promises people can't keep. But Father, your promise is secure, Lord. You have given us, Lord, hope. And that's what uh, we want to look at this morning, Father, the hope that comes through your promise. Father, may we live in that hope, not merely talk about it. In your name we pray. Amen. In 1977, New York City experienced a blackout. And at night, they were in total darkness. And in one particular home, a little boy could not be found. Um, they thought he was in the house. Obviously, they knew he was scared because it was so dark. But when they found him, they discovered something else. <laughs> he was not only afraid because of the pitch black darkness in which he found himself. He was afraid because at the exact moment the lights went out in New York City, he had kicked a power pole with his foot. And he was convinced that he was the reason that the electricity went out and everybody was in the dark. <laughs> So as he hid in a part of his house, he was not only afraid of the darkness, he was afraid it was all his fault. He was the reason for the darkness. Now, as I thought of this illustration, there are two people we want to look at this morning. There is Joseph in the New Testament, and there is King Ahaz in the Old Testament. As the Old Testament was a prophecy that was fulfilled that we find in the book of Matthew in, in this appearance that Joseph experienced. But there's also a historical context as we look at King Ahaz. And I want to look at both because there's a real contrast here. One shows us the importance of walking in the light, walking in faith. The other walked in the darkness. The other just simply tried to survive, just simply tried to navigate through the blackness. And, and there is a vast difference here in these two. Matter of fact, as I thought about this little boy... It really gave me a clue in this message. Number one, man, when you're in the dark, the complete dark, you, you need to find out where is the source of the light. And you need to find out, why am I in the dark? And then third, you need to find out, how can I get back in the light so that I can see clearly? Now, as you look at Joseph here, 
and King Ahaz, two incredible circumstances that they had to deal with. We, we see in this case, every Christmas, you know, we tend to come to this section of Scripture that tells us about the birth of Jesus Christ. And there's Mary, pledged to be married to Joseph, but she's found to be with child. Joseph receives this information. He didn't know he didn't know the truth of her condition. I mean, think about it from his point of view. More than anything, he loved this woman. And he knew that she loved him. And he had this idea of a life with her. Being able to share that life. And, and being in love. You know, I, I, I thought of my parents. I never understood for the longest time. My dad had his pet names. And his pet name for my mom was Pookie. He'd say, there's my little Pookie. Boy, I love my little pookie. And I thought, what in the world is a pookie? You know, I, I kind of looked at Then I discovered uh, years later that Garfield's teddy bear was named Pookie. And I thought, well, you know, hey, that sounds like a good thing. You know, teddy bear, someone you hug and, and you love and you, you, you find security with, you know, at night. And, and, and someone you're with. And I found that one definition was a term of endearment. And I would hear... My dad say those things and the twinkle in his eye and the love for my mom. My mom was sick my life. Well, my whole life. She was on a, a bunch of medicine and slept a lot because she was so sick. And, and I, you know, I would sit there and, and dad worked three jobs and, and I would think, uh, man, the sacrifices he's making for us and for her and, and he loves her pookie. And then my dad, the last year of his life, he had a major heart attack and stroke, and he was an invalid. And I watched her for that year stay by his side and care for her husband, for my dad. And I never really saw that side of mom as she was so sick for so many years. But she stepped up when she needed to. Why? Because there was a love there between the two of them. And maybe I didn't see it or, or recognize it or, or, or be able to really you know, know what was happening there. But then I saw it. And I believe this is, the, you know, this is kind of the dream that Joseph had. This is the woman I love. This is the woman I want to grow old with. This is the woman I want the joy of, of, of being able to have kids together and a family and, and just enjoying life. <laughs> And he, he saw that and he thought that. And then it's, it's found out she's with child and it all came crumbling down. And he thought, what now? What do I do? What an impossible situation. And we read in the scriptures, he loved her so much, he didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want her to be you know, stoned to death, uh, which was um, the penalty for, for finding something like that out. And, and so it said that he, in his mind, decided, I'm going to divorce her quietly I don't want this public disgrace I, I don't want all of this and it would have been real easy for Joseph to become bitter you know guys it would have been real easy for him not to walk in faith not to him in the darkness to say where's the light what do I need to do to get into the light and to be in the light but, but that was his life before this incident he walked with God and, and his walk with God allowed him to see but even in that it was so dark and God appeared to him. This angel came to him. And the angel said, Hey, Mary, your wife, what's conceived in her, it's from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. And you'll give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. 
And there was a hope. Now, that didn't mean the situation just, you know, went away and there were no problems. And, you know, I don't spend all the time talking about that. But you can imagine the gossip that must have happened as people didn't understand. I mean, you can just see, hey, that Mary, she's starting to show. And, and you know, she's not supposed to start showing. You know, I wonder what she's been up to. I mean, that kind of stuff that, that was probably ahead a as people didn't understand. It, it didn't all go away, but Joseph understood he could trust in the Lord. Now, you have that in contrast. Then you come over to Isaiah chapter 7. Here's a guy that finds himself in the darkness. Here's a guy that's been exposed to the light. He knows about the covenant of God. He knows about the truth of God. He was one of those descendants that called out by Abraham that, hey, you know, you'll, you'll be numerous as the seashore. I'll bless you. And yet, he had decided that he was going to trust in his strength, his plan. He was going to manipulate the circumstances. He didn't really need God. God wasn't big enough to help him. And, and I want to go down through this, and we're going to look at this in our time that remains. Um, it starts out in Isaiah 7. It mentions Ahaz, that he was the king of Judah. And then it mentions uh, King Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, that these two kings were preparing to march up against Ahaz and Judah. And what was happening is there was a civil war. God's nation had this civil war, and you had Judah and you had Israel, and sometimes they would fight against each other. And as you look down through the histories, Israel would not listen to God. Judah would go back and forth. <laughs> sometimes they would listen to God, sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes they would seek the light, sometimes they would just stay in the dark. And, and this went back and forth, and this was a time with Judah... King Judah, uh, King Ahaz, where he didn't listen to God. Matter of fact, uh, turn me to Second Chronicles chapter 28. I, I just want to briefly uh, give you insight into the historical setting. In Second Chronicles 28, uh, starting at verse 1, it reads, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father... He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, he, he lived without taking God into consideration. He, he didn't seek God for answers. He, he didn't attempt to walk with God. He didn't pray to God. It says he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and also made cast idols for worshiping the Baals. He burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and sacrificed his sons in the fire. Following the detestable ways of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites, he offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. What happened to Ahaz? He was so caught up in the culture of his day. He was so caught up on everything that was around him that he had forsook God. He had lost the faith of his childhood. He, he had lost the faith of his God, of his people, and he had replaced that with a culture that just consumed him. And as a result of that, uh, there was some pain that occurred. Uh, you go down, um, verse 5, it tells us that the Lord God handed him over to the king of Aram. 
and it was a it was a terrible battle with many casualties it tells us in verse 5 and matter of fact you, you go down in verse 6 and it says there were 120,000 soldiers in Judah that were that ended up losing their lives there was a great amount of loss now I, I give all that historical setting as we come back to Isaiah 7 here he is once again and he's about to face that king <laughs> that had defeated them so badly and he was desperate. What do I do? You know, it's like we're gonna we're we're gonna lose again, and and, and I'm, I may lose my life, the nation, everything's crumbling. And the first thing he doesn't do is turn to the Lord. Matter of fact, as we read down through the history, what he does is he he turns to a, another evil empire, Syria, and he says, "I need your help." He's manipulating. He's working behind the scenes to try to take care of this. Verse two, it it says the people are. When they heard the news of this ensuing war, their, the hearts of Ahaz and the people, they were shaken like, like trees in the forest, shaken by the wind. So the Lord said to the prophet Isaiah, He says, I want you and your son, Shear Jashub, to go and to meet Ahab at the aqueduct of the upper pool. Now it's interesting, Isaiah's son here means a remnant will return. So God is saying to Ahaz, He's saying, hey, I want to be with you. I'm not saying this will not be without casualties, but I want you to survive. I want you to know I'm with you. I want you to know you can trust me, Ahaz. And Isaiah with his son, and I believe it, as he looked at Isaiah's son, he, he knew that a name spoke about that person and, and he could look at the son and say God God is speaking through that boy the presence of that boy the prophet has him here for a purpose that a remnant will survive a remnant will come back and, and he looked at him and, and he thought about what was going on and he listened to the words of the prophet notice the words of the prophet be careful keep calm don't be afraid remind me of Joseph and the angel said don't be afraid he says, do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. In other words, these guys, you think they're so tough. He said, but really, you know, they're just going to end up a bunch of ash burned up. They're not more powerful than I am. And then he goes on and he talks to him. And as you go down through the verses here, he says, I'm going to give you victory. They're not going to win. Stand firm. Trust me. Walk in the light. Don't try to navigate through the darkness. And as he's speaking to him, uh, he says in verse 10, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. You know, as I thought of this, and with the analogy of the darkness, it, it's like sometimes when you get up real early in the morning and you wake up and you don't want to see the light, you know, you cover your head with a pillow, somebody cuts on the light, and you might even say, cut the light off, if somebody cuts the light on you. Know, Why? Because the dark hurts your eyes and it takes a while to be adjusted. And man, I've had some times, you know, I try to get up in the middle of the night, I don't want to cut the light on and there are some things on the floor that are dangerous to step on. Have you ever stepped on a Lego? Not good. Not good. Why? Because you can't see as you're trying to navigate through the darkness. And, and God is saying here, 
Let your eyes adjust to me, to my light. You see as you see me clearly, Ahaz. Turn to me. Listen to me. I want to give you a sign. But Ahaz, you think he'd say, Yeah, Lord, show me. But he had his plans already. He had already worked it out. He decided that the only way to be rescued was through Assyria, not through the Lord. And, man, it was a, it was a painful time. And then he comes here, um, verse 13. Isaiah says, Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? And I want to say here, I think it's interesting here, guys. Um, as he shares here in verse 12, uh, or verse 10 and, and 11 and 12, down through there as he talks about a sign, the word you is singular as he's speaking. But you come down to verse 14, and it's plural. So when he first talks... To Ahaz, he said, I'll give you a sign. But then in verse 14, he says to God's people, I'm going to give all of you a sign about the virgin with child, God with us. Now, turn me to Matthew 1. I'm at the end of the message. Uh, a point that really caught my attention as I looked about walking with God. As you come in the genealogy of Jesus those people that are in the family line you mark out the family tree and you come down through there and I want you to notice uh, who is in there verse 9 it says Uzziah the father of Jotham Jotham the father of Ahaz Ahaz the father of Hezekiah hey this promise, this covenant, it was for Ahaz. It was for him. But he said no. He, he, reject, he rejected a, a covenant. But yet, God came back and he still had his name included there. He still said, I want you to receive this. I want you to know my full promise that's not just for you, but for all people to enjoy and to know. And, and that promise is for everybody. If you're here today, you are not beyond that promise. He wants all of us to receive that promise, and it's called forgiveness. That He provides through His work, through Jesus Christ, who is the one who is God with us. God wants you to know that promise. He wants you to know Him. Let's pray. Lord, uh, as we come to an end of a message, Lord, and we look at Joseph, who, Father, he sought to walk with you, the living God. He didn't know the full story of what was going on, but he walked with you. And then Ahaz, who decided, Lord, that he was going to work apart from you. And yet, Father, you include them all, Lord. You include all of us. You know our hearts, God. You know if we're walking with you or if we're not. But yet, Father, you say to us, it's not too late. My covenant is for you. My promise extends to you. I don't want you to be left out. I don't want you to stay in darkness. I want you to receive the light. I want you to see clearly. I want you to have a new life. I want you to walk with me, the living God. And I'm calling. 
And so, Lord, I just pray this morning in time we call invitation, Lord. Just, you always love us, Lord. It's not too late. Or we wouldn't be here. Father, what do you want to do, Lord? May the promise be clear, God. Speak to our hearts, Father, in the way that we need to say yes to respond to the promise work, Lord. To, whether to come to the altar or to just make a decision where we are or if need be to publicly share. May we do that, Lord, to honor you. In your name we pray. Amen.